0: You're listening to the DIY Homebuilder podcast, episode 4.
1: Welcome to the DIY Homebuilder podcast, where we discuss all aspects of building your own home. Whether you're acting as your own contractor and hiring subs or doing the labor yourself, building your own house can be exciting, stressful, and ultimately rewarding. Listen in with your host, Egan Loman as he interviews other owner builders and industry professionals and learn from them as they share their stories and experiences. Follow us as we go from start to finish on managing a new build, from securing a construction loan to scheduling and sourcing materials, and ultimately building on your future. And now your host, Egan Lohman.
0: All right, DIY family. I've got my mother-in-law, Carolyn Brodin, on today, she is a owner builder, but also a professional builder. Her and her husband ran a professional home building business for 30 years, Close.
1: 30 plus. 30
0: plus. Yeah. Building over 300 homes in and around Anchorage, Alaska. You may have caught my podcast um, with her husband, Ralph Broden, the um, head builder of EECC e- C Fine Builders. And today I've got Carolyn on because I want to talk with her about relationships and managing relationships between not just the owners, between the husband and the wife or whoever the owners may be, but also between um, the relationships between the owners and the subcontractors, between the builders and their children perhaps, and all the various relationships that go into even the relationship between the builder and him or herself. So, let's jump right into it. Carolyn, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I actually have the pleasure of having my mother-in-law in in my home. Usually, I do these interviews over over the phone, but uh, they are visiting us down from uh, Girdwood, Alaska, which is where they live. And um, unfortunately, they take off tomorrow, but it's been a great visit. So, let's start by just talking a little bit about your first owner-builder project, which was your house with Ralph. Years ago, you were
1: pregnant with Molly, right? I was. uh, Yep. yep, Yeah. With our first daughter, we I was pregnant when we started building the house. Yeah.
0: And I I was talking with Ralph a little bit about that. You guys were initially planning on building a log, but then switched that up just because of uh, some of the constraints around building with logs.
1: Yeah, logistics. When we realized how heavy they were. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so then you switched to the frame, and it's a it's a beautiful home, and. You know, you, you basically raised your family there in that town, and uh, my wife, Jill, grew up there. And, you know, that in and of itself is maybe reason enough to build a house because of the community and the, just the involvement around it and how, how personal it becomes. But maybe I can get you to talk a little bit about just that build project, managing the relationships with, you know, Ralph, because you guys were fairly new as a couple. And it was kind of your first project together, right?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I just, we were, I really wanted to make sure it was done before the baby was born because we were just living in a little one-room cabin without running water or anything on the property while we were building the house. So oh, nice. It was quite the race to get the house done. How long did it take you guys? Well, actually, the entire project took us three years. But okay. But once we started framing, you know... I mean, once it was framed, then it went more oh, like right. at a normal pace. Yeah, yeah. The foundation took us a long time because we were building this very elaborate, beautiful, handmade foundation. We would drive our down to the river and collect rocks and then mix mortar by hand. I did all the mixing of the mortar and then we placed... Because we were going to have this beautiful log house with the foundation, oh, right. a rock foundation. I see. So, so it's going to be exposed foundation. An exposed foundation. And so that took... Um, Two years because we only could work on it during our free time from our business. Right. So the business was going. The were... business was going. Yep. We were okay. building. Ralph was. Um. Yeah, we were building our first couple of houses in Girdwood uh, as contractors. Right at the time. Too, right. Right. So were those
0: spec, or were they, did you already have owners lined up for those?
1: No, they were. Owner, Actually, it was only one house, um, but we, were, we built um, the fire station, the grocery store, and a restaurant. Oh, wow. Two. So that, that's what we were building while we were building oh, our that's house. Oh, awesome. yeah. Okay. Girdwood <laughs> is like 3,500 people, something 2, like that. 2,500. 2,500. But then it was only 400. <laughs> oh,
0: right. <laughs> so they essentially, my, uh, my in-laws basically founded this little town in, in Alaska, but it is beautiful. So, what I mean, how, how did that go, that first build and then just kind of the first early stages of EECC, working with Ralph, working as an owner-builder and managing those relationships? How did that, I mean, obviously there's always stress and you're you're going to have your butt heads, but how did you guys kind of start managing that and fall into Well,
1: work? actually, it worked out really well for us personally because um, Ralph, he, he's like the idea guy and he's... He can design and and plan and that's like it was his passion whereas me I just wanted to have running water and, <laughs> and indoor plumbing right. before I had a baby right. and I wasn't ever one of those people who like dreamed about designing a house or yeah. you know right. I just it was all about location I just wanted to live in the town we were building in and I wanted a you know a nice comfortable house but Okay. Mo, you know, it, so we didn't have really any conflicts right. about, you know, about you, the design. Or you weren't like arguing that. over paint colors, and right. Things like that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, and I think that yeah.
0: is a big stress factor for a lot of builders. I mean, you can speak to this because you've had hundreds of clients,
1: right? And you've probably seen some relationships fall apart. We have, and um, I don't know if they were always over the house, but we always said that um, building a house is going to be probably the one of the most expensive and the most stressful things you do in your relationship and your lives together and so um, it really depends on the, the the people building like are they so often it'll be one either the husband or the wife who is really the most the biggest decision maker and the other one kind of goes along and you know puts in their two cents once in a while or whatever or sometimes they work really well together or at least they never argued in front of us right (laughs) so those were the
0: successful ones Mm -hmm. when people had kind of this definitive uh division of labor one person being more of the designer kind of like ralph and the more the decision maker and the other person not not taking a back seat but kind of not caring so much about those those aspects yeah what did it look like when you said they worked really well together what is what does that look like
1: that's uh, when the decision-making process goes really nice and smoothly because they're able to, you know, pick their flooring, pick their tile, you know. They're sharing the decision-making, right.
0: but they just work well together. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing we can really advise you on there. You either work well with your spouse or you don't. But if you know you don't, then having this division of labor where one person, you know, you've got to play on each other's strengths, basically. And if your strength is not... Making quick decisions and executing that, and your spouse potentially is better at that. Maybe it's a smart idea to let them handle those kind of things. Just, just putting that out there.
1: Uh, one example I could give of a decision, a pretty major decision that actually ended a project was um, a couple came to us and they wanted us to design a home. They a new home. They already had a home in Anchorage, and they had. Two-year-old, and um, they so as Ralph started to design the house, you know, and he's asking how many bedrooms and they wanted and such. um, They started to kind of argue in front of us because about how many bedrooms they needed, because how many more kids they were going (laughs) to (laughs) have. And um, it actually they it caused a huge problem in their marriage you know if they were going sure. to have more kids and they we never did they stopped the project and we never built the house really
0: yeah someone <laughs> wanted more and the other yeah wanted less. that's <laughs> funny sad but funny you'd think you'd have those kind of things kind of figured out yeah. before endeavoring to build a home but um yeah very interesting you know my little sister Greta is in the process of they're just designing they've purchased their land and in Nebraska and they're in the design phase but uh that is definitely a, a a funny thing to watch them kind of figure out who's who because Greta I don't know if you've met my little sister yeah of course yeah. you have at our yeah. wedding mm-hmm. um, is very strong-willed and and opinionated but so is her husband and watching them kind of work this this project has been really fascinating because Greta actually takes a back seat and lets her husband Brett really drive a lot of the decisions regarding like working with the subs mm-hmm. and so that's an interesting point I mean I know most of your clients didn't necessarily interact directly with the subs but you guys did so if you're playing that role of builder and working with the subs contractors how did you how did you manage those relationships
1: oh between the subs and the clients or oh.
0: no actually between as if you guys were the client or the owner builder so between you and the subs I mean you you knew a lot of them and you kept using them over and over, yeah. but were there times when you had a differing of opinion or like you just butted heads maybe they didn't do exactly what they wanted, financial stress, that kind of thing and how do you how do you get around that?
1: You mean as the as the owner builder
0: right or? yeah, or you yeah. guys too because I mean even though you're building your client houses you're you're essentially acting as the owner builder. Mm-hmm having to engage right. and work with directly with the sub
1: yeah I think the most important thing is to have a signed uh, oh, contract. bid contract with your subcontractor on each portion and you know the agreement they give you the estimate yeah their, uh, or their bid on it and then make sure it's agreed on and, right yeah and you need to be very open about it and always be updated about any changes or anything so that both ways both ways yeah yeah
0: and I mean a lot of your subs were family fr- or friends or at least you knew them and worked regularly with them
1: yeah I mean some of them literally worked for us you know built houses or did their whether it was the drywall or uh, you know electricians and painters we seem to you know over the years we probably went th- they go in and out of business or whatever mm-hmm. more often it seemed like than some other uh, other trades but like um, framers, foundation, the foundation people, yeah, drywall, plumbing. We would literally use the same ones for fifteen over over. years, you know, yeah. over and over, yeah. But and regardless,
0: so, always have a contract, always have something. Yeah, we
1: like, always had. We still with all of them that we always had a signed. That's good to know. Uh, estimate from them. Cool. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of people, especially if they're family friends, or you know them through. You know, some other way than just you know found this person in a yellow you know yellow book or online might not be so structured mm-hmm. with formulating a contract yeah but okay good good to know good advice how about raising kids during this process because you guys had Jill and Molly from the get-go like you didn't jump right into the you'd been raising them from you know your, the whole career, the whole time you guys were building mm-hmm. together, and I know you took a hiatus to raise them, but Ralph was still working through the business. So, yeah. um, you know, my parents, Heather and I, were much older than Greta was, like eight when we when they were building. But I'm curious what it looks like to kind of be be in this industry and just be building when you have young young kids, and what that looks like
1: as the owner builder
0: sure yeah if you can give yeah. it, kind of turn it yeah trying to
1: get... turn it um well i know is the um the contractor would part of the what we did with our clients we gave them a, we asked them to fill out an information sheet and one of them was of course the names of their dogs and kids and ages and everything so because that we expected them to be on the site all the you know oh, to nice. see them and yeah, wanted yeah. to be able to know who they were and everything and um these are your subs no our clients the people we were building for and um so um yeah i don't know i'm not sure about that one yeah
0: well i mean so yeah that is tough because they were um they weren't actually building right they're just showing up and then have their kids there to kind of inspect and look at the project but they weren't actually building the project right yeah. yeah.
1: But we did have clients though who, um you wanted to put some sweat equity into the projects and so they would come after hours with the with their kids and sweep and clean. You know, we always gave people the option as much sweat equity as they wanted to put into a project. Oh, even interesting. as a contractor. So yeah, a lot of them would coat on Saturdays or show up the whole family and clean the job site and do that kind of stuff.
0: How would you how would you factor the, the, the value of their work? Like, how did you determine, like, how much sweat equity they received from that labor? Or is it just about the timing? Because the, the project got done faster, thanks to their help. They,
1: it, 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 sa- it, would de- it would definitely save on their, um, what fell usually under general labor. You oh, know, yeah. uh, our crew cleaning right. the project. It took time. And some of the, uh, you know, the the owners took it very seriously and they really they probably saved themselves maybe $10,000. Really? Mhm. Oh, that's interesting. By keeping the Just job keeping clean. the job site clean. Mhm. You know, Ralph mm-hmm. and I were talking about that the,
0: the other day and uh, you know, I think that's a huge factor for a lot of owner builders in general. Keeping a job site clean and putting in, regardless if they're going to act as just a contractor and not do any of the labor themselves, that's that's a really interesting point. Like Just because you're going to be the contractor and you're essentially taking on the management component of the build, not the physical labor component of the build, you can still add to your already significant savings just by doing simple stuff, not mm-hmm. swinging hammers, but going in there and cleaning up, keeping that job site nice and tidy. You know, it helps you. And like Ralph pointed out, not only does it save time, energy, stress, but it also reduces theft, which mm-hmm. I never thought about. A, a tidy job site keeps yeah. people from coming in. It, You know, if your tool, tools are laying all over or if your lumber is scattered all over, it makes it pretty easy for things to get up and walk away. But if you've got nice, neat piles, you know exactly how many 2x4s are in that pile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, how about, let's let's move on. I wanted to keep this one kind of short because, uh, I know you guys are taking off tomorrow and want to spend some more time with your grandson, but, um, so we're coming up almost on a half hour, another 10 minutes, but, um, let's talk more about, um, managing the relationship between the builder themselves and identifying, you know, what type of person they are and based on that, what they can contribute or not contribute to the project. So, for example, you know, Ralph was talking about, are you a budget type person, if if that's your priority, keeping the project within budget, versus having all the bells and whistles and having the feng shui and the design, if that's more important to you. I'm sure you've seen a lot of clients who told you that budget was their number one priority, but in fact, their actions and what they did on a day-to-day basis suggested that what was far more important to them was the aesthetics of the house and what I mean what do you what insights do you have as far as like for my owner builders to help manage that or at least understand themselves better so that they don't get into that trap of you know breaking outside of their budget or not sticking to their schedule because they say one thing but they're actually acting on a different emotion
1: Mm -hmm. well I think um it's kind of that's interesting, I think maybe a owner builder they don't i think sometimes our- our clients would come to us and they they wanted to say a budget in the back of their mind, they probably already knew that they were gonna go way over that budget, but they felt like you know we're going talking to our contractor, we need to keep it like say oh, only this, but I think a owner builder hey, they're just being honest with themselves right, and so um, and they have a number from the bank.
0: Right. right. I mean, they've gone and they've done their, they, they've worked with their lender and they know exactly what they have to build. So yeah. they got to stick to that number or not get their bill done, basically. And,
1: and so then I think it's um, the them deciding um, on their, you know, maybe they need to scrimp a little on one thing. If there's something they really want, like the, ba- the master bathroom to be just, you know all decked out and all the bells and whistles but then they don't they don't care as much about maybe the bed make the bedroom smaller and simpler or something you know they can choose their places that they want to spend more money you know essentially save and then save in other places or something might
0: not need a finished basement or maybe a two-car garage will suffice right but that grand opening uh you know entryway Mm -hmm. is is can fit in there yeah that's that's important Interesting. And, I mean, did you see, I guess we can keep going back and forth around, you know, successful projects versus unsuccessful projects with your clients. What would happen in those situations where they came in with a budget on one, you know, one level, but in fact ended up spending far more or just weren't really true to what they were telling you? Were those, did those still come out as successful projects or is there like a running theme on something that really tended to result in pretty catastrophic failures. On
1: the when, well, they actually usually they came out fine. Usually, what happened is the design phase would get dragged on oh, yeah. because they would say this: "We only want to spend this much, but we want all this." And so, usually, they would people would come and we would design a house. They would approve it, you know, with Ralph trying to stay in within what they were saying, but then also listening to what the people want. Then when we put together the estimate for the house, you know, it would if it came out over, which it would if we put in everything they said they wanted. Right. <laughs> of course, we'd have to go back to the drawing board and whittle it down, or else they would say, "Okay, you know, we will. We want this bad enough that this is what we'll." Right. So. Okay. You know, you really, it's what you're willing to give up or if you need to, to stay in your budget, right. you know.
0: Yeah, it's the the whole process is a, one big compromise. Right. And in this case, with yourself. Yeah. Which can be really <laughs> trying and, and difficult for people, mm-hmm. right? Even with themselves. It's, yeah. It's tough to come to the realization that you have to give up something in order to get
1: the thing that you really want. And there's certain things that we just... You know, we were a we had our we were our reputation was on very well built houses, and um, there were certain things we just wouldn't do in Alaska. You you know, we did double pane windows, and you know, there's and two by six framing. I mean, we just did not build. If you wanted a really really cheap house, we just didn't build it. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. So that's. But I think a
0: lot of my owner builders are kind of coming from that same point of view right they're building their own house and they are doing it to stay you know to, to keep costs down but also to get the most house for mm-hmm. their money yeah so they might not build the most grandiose house like you guys put up 10,000 square foot you know just awesome mansions but, but we
1: also put up you know 1,500 square foot oh really yeah oh, We no house too big or too small right just well built just always <laughs> well built yeah and not always fancy
0: right just well built. So, what know. was the what was the price range like? Um, appraised value, not not build value.
1: Well, and that's also you have to realize it's actually over a thirty-eight oh, year span. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it really, you know, for sure. What we were building thirty-eight years ago is yeah, yeah, very different from now but
0: as far as cost. A hundred thousand, all the way up to multi millions, somewhere in
1: there. Yeah, I mean not like multi millions, but yeah, yeah. Two or three million, totally. you know, but um, yeah, we definitely built houses thirty-eight years ago for you know a couple hundred thousand. Nice,
0: yeah. Which is, I don't know what that... I look forward to getting feedback from my listeners and from the website to understand what what is that kind of median range of an owner builder and how much they're they're typically spending on a project. But I, my gut you, tells you. me it's around three
1: hundred. Yeah. So. Well. But, yeah it all depends on them it's per, per square foot so depending on how big and location <laughs> yeah yeah materials and, and resources
0: all right well let's see what time we're at coming up on 25 minutes i want to keep this to about a half an hour but um you know you you manage the projects while we off was designing and building you were in the office running the administrative stuff and trying to keep projects within budget and on schedule and so i guess i'd love to sign off kind of talking a little bit more about what that looked like for you and any advice you have in that arena for our owner builders trying to you know manage not just tasking out all the things they have to do to bring their project to completion but how do they keep themselves on task to keep within schedule and Mm -hmm. also hopefully within their budget was there
1: software you're using or just approach or methodology that's funny because we actually tried to develop a a computer, you know, schedule to work off of. And it was just too hard to keep it. It was more complicated than it seemed to keep it up to date and accurate. And so um, we ended up mostly just using literally more of a on-the-wall sheet that we, you know, marked and stuff. Like a
0: whiteboard or?
1: Yeah, we did whiteboards or, you know, some kind of a calendar, you know. But um, as far as uh, keeping the jobs, the, the projects moving smoothly and on schedule, which is one of the most important parts of staying on budget and um, and on time, which time and budget work together, you sure. know, um, we was the decisions, the clients, so the build the so in this case, the owner builder's decision making, um, being on time and staying, you know...
0: Right, accurate. being able to make a quick decision and stick to it and not wishy-washy after for the fact.
1: And having it made in time. Um, what we would do after we um, had um, gotten a, a client signed up and signed a contract, um, if we had one with them, was um, I would send out a letter called the client decision letter. Oh, interesting. And they, it would be a list, literally uh, it was a timeline saying... Um, by the, before we start the foundation, you need to have decided this. By the time the foundation is finished, you need to have decided this. At the know. beginning of framing, this needs to have been decided. And by the time framing is finished, this needs to be decided.
0: Ooh, can I get this? <laughs> I, I have. I have the. The do, letter do you? yeah but at home if you do i'd like to get a, yeah. a copy of that and if it's okay with you i might make it available on the website so yeah it's can see
1: it. and then it's you know by the time the it's done being sheetrocked you need to have decided this you know so it keeps yeah, it gives the 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 owner a, a visual timeline because they can look at the they can just look at the house and they know oh my they're almost done framing i need sure. to have decided this yeah oh, that's great mm-hmm obviously as, as order, far as order. like appliances well electrical you know by the time it's done framed, when it's once it's framed is when you walk through and do your electrical rough in sure. with your your lighting consultant you know or if you if you have one or unless you know where you want to put all your lights right right but, um
0: what would that consultant be doing just helping you place them or also purchase and
1: find the right fixtures we ours we worked with a, a lighting gallery and we always have a, had a specific person who would come to the job site. I mean and the electrical walkthrough is like a six hour thing and it's always in an un it's just a framed building and often in Alaska, you know, it'd be twenty degrees or fifteen degrees sure. out. Everybody in coats and mittens walking around doing the electrical walkthrough. Right. Literally planning where every light is going to go. Because the electrician has to know that and every outlet. For sure. Uh-huh. And so, does that cost?
0: Do no. F- that's a free service? hmm. By the, who, who is this person?
1: Who do they work for? Uh, up there it was Brown's Lighting Gallery. I don't know. Okay, you know. so it's a
0: lighting outlet. Yeah, lighting a retailer. outlet. Retailer. Mm-hmm. Retailer.
1: They would send somebody out to
0: walk through and help you under the auspices that you'll purchase your fixtures from them. Mm hmm. Did you have to?
1: Not all of them, no.
0: Really? No. Oh, that's interesting. That's a nice handy tip.
1: (laughs) So go. you can go down
0: to your lighting. Are there other, like, what would you call that? Services, those kind of free services to help you. I mean, it's obviously going to benefit the business uh, that you're working with there. But, you know, if you don't have that kind of mind or that knowledge, that's very beneficial to have somebody else come into your, you know, framed out house and help you kind of think about where you want to place your lighting or where you want to place your appliances, mm-hmm. um, all of that kind of stuff. So that it helped take a little bit of the design burden off your shoulders. Um, I really like that. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. My parents did not do that. I think they did. They went through and kind of said, all right, we'll have lights here, here, and here. And right often, I look back and they definitely missed some outlets, mm-hmm. right? They didn't have either the... Uh, the, the the lighting box in the ceiling where they wanted, it and they had to go back and do that or they didn't have the outlet in the place for a floor lamp. Yeah. you know?
1: mm-hmm. So thinking
0: about that stuff way beforehand would be very beneficial.
1: And of course Ralph always was in on that too with his sure. um, opinion on stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph was opinionated. <laughs> I um. mean, but we also had a, other uh, lighting consultant who was by the hour... Too, oh, okay. you know, for for other projects. So I, I mean, it can go either way. Either way. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: But that's interesting to know that it's possible to maybe find uh, free services like that, or mm-hmm. pay them either way. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about something just recently there that I also wanted to keep diving into
1: the decision making. Yes,
0: thank you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Being that type of individual, or if you can't find somebody, even hire them because it's going to save you in the long run. If you're not the type of person that can just make a quick decision and move on, then find out somebody who can. Maybe it's your spouse is better than that and you didn't even know it. Or you can hire somebody to manage that part for you. Yeah, perfect. Did you guys ever do that? I know you um, initially you did some uh, where you you basically signed on as the contractor so that your friend or client could get a, a construction loan. Mm-hmm. but But you really weren't hands-on you certainly weren't building those projects you're just kind of acting as um some sort of security for the bank but yeah could... and,
1: a, and a consultant like it was a set fee and they could come in at any time and ask ralph any amount of advice and oh everything. nice yeah so in that case and we helped organize some of the you know we did help with some of the organizing of the subs and stuff okay yeah just we... but mostly hands-off but
0: so that would be a scenario which you know some of my owner builders if they're not great at making those quick decisions maybe that's an option for them Mm -hmm. where they get a professional contractor on hand to just kind of run things by and help them keep things moving along Mm -hmm. that's an interesting option very cool well we're now over half an hour and I want to get to that chocolate cake so (laughs) I think we're going to wrap it up but Carolyn, thank you so much
1: Oh, yeah, it was fun.
0: Cool, yeah. good. I think it's been incredibly insightful and valuable. So I really appreciate it. And with that, we're signing off. Okay, DIY family. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Carolyn provided some awesome advice on managing the design phase so it doesn't drag on forever and how to stay within your budget by being honest and upfront with yourself about what is truly important for you in the design and con- construction of your owner built home. So, a huge thank you to my mother-in-law and my entire extended family on that side, my wife's family, because they've been just so supportive and helpful, not just with, you know, the podcast and the website, but also with Jill and I's own owner builder project as we move forward. Um, designing and starting to think about what type of house we want to actually build and where um, they've been an invaluable resource for us. So I hope to bring them back and share more of their wisdom with you. But I do have to give a public apology because I'm an idiot and I mispronounced their last name. My wife's maiden name three times in this episode in the very beginning their name is Brodeen, not Broden. Even though in my defense it is spelled B R O D I N without the E. So it, I I I pronounced it like it's spelled. So there's a backhanded compliment. My father-in-law is going to kill me. But anyway, sorry about that you guys. I do actually know what your last name is, Brodeen, and I love you very much and I'm super grateful to have you guys in my life. And to have come on this episode and on these podcasts. So with that, I'm going to sign off. And as always, um, DIY family, if you could leave me feedback, go find us on iTunes or Stitcher or on our website, DIYHomeBuilder.org. And leave comments. I would greatly appreciate it. It helps the show's ratings. It helps me. It helps me improve. And it helps me get to know you, my listeners, who this show is all about. So with that, Egan Loman signing off. And remember, keep swinging hammers and pounding nails.